Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. We're in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All of your breakers and billows swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sights. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth and its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So just... Just reminding us, so the story of Jonah being swallowed by a fish and spit out by a fish, it points to the story of Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, he's buried, and he's raised. It it was a a real picture of that. But we said that Jonah's not just pointing to Jesus dying and being raised, but us dying and being raised with Christ. So it's not just the story about Jesus, but it's also about us in Jesus. So... Here's our problem. Our problem is that we're all like Jonah. We love the wrong things too much, and therefore we hate people. So we love our country more than God. You love, some of you love being American more than you love God, and it makes you hate things that go against your idol. Some of you love the country you're from more than God. And so being a Cuban, a Puerto Rican, a Colombian, uh, a Dominican, uh, a Brazilian, you know, it's more, it's more important to you than God, and it makes you hate things that threaten that. Some of you love your family and your last name more than God. And so our problem is we're hateful to people because we love things that are too small to really make us God-centered people because they're not God-specific. So what is God going to do to us? Or what should we do? Well, we saw God throws us overboard to our death. That's God's solution to our jacked-up loves. But here's what I want to answer today. What does God do to us after he throws us overboard? What does God do to us? What actually happens when God takes your self-righteous, self-sufficient, proud, hateful self, and he throws you overboard? What happens to you? This is what we're going to do today. So here's what we, what we see from Jonah's experience. Here's the first thing. We need to start over. What we see from Jonah being thrown over is we need to start over. So listen, the Bible is one story that has all these connected parts. So if you see this story of Jonah, it's connected to the story of the Exodus. So in the Exodus, this is what happens. God's people are in Egypt on dry land. Then God takes them out of Egypt, takes them through the waters, and then he puts them on dry land again. This was the way they understood the gospel. So Exodus, 
where, where Egypt, the, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, they're taken out by God's power through Moses, taken through waters, and put on dry land. That was a story that, was, that the Old Testament Christian would understand Jesus by that story. Jesus takes us out of a greater Egypt with a greater enemy through a greater redemption, and he puts us on dry land. So right now, this whole experience is kind of God's way of reconnecting Jonah with that. What happens? Jonah's on dry land. He gets taken into the waters, and then God spits him out on dry land. This, all these words and images are Exodus-like. You follow me so far? Jonah is basically going back to his beginnings. Jonah is going back to the fact that God's people, the Israelites, were rescued by God, taken out of Egypt through the waters and put on dry land by his power. And so Jonah's being told that he needs to go back to his beginnings. Here's the problem. We as people, we get over things. So we first get married, we're like, oh, it's so amazing. This woman's so awesome, right? Like, I can't believe a woman actually wanted to marry me. And then you get over it. You get over it. And you're like, of course, you know, she's there every day. Same thing with salvation. We get saved and we're like, oh, God, you, you rescued me. Yes. And then you get over it and you become nice, good people. We move on. Jonah clearly moved on. And so God is bringing him in this Exodus-like redemptive experience to say, Jonah, you need to go back to being that person in Egypt who was saved by God's grace. You're not a good person. You've moved on from your essential identity as a redeemed sinner. Got to go back to your beginnings. So listen, the key to God changing our hearts is not shaming us. It's not giving us lectures about being racially kind to people that are different than us. It's not through, uh, you know, some altar call or evangelism training. It's not through more activities. It's not through hearing endless calls to reach the loss. The key to us being transformed is going back to the beginning. You know, you're, if you don't have Apple, you don't have this problem. Apples are dope. You turn it on and it stays on. But you remember how when you, when you had a, a PC... How did, how, did you, how did you fix the PC when it, couldn't, when it got stuck? You turned it off to start over. <laughs> That's the picture here. We got to go back and start over to the beginning where we realized that we needed God and had nothing. Because Jonah moves on from that. We move on from that. And we have to go back to that. We got to start over. But here's the second thing we need. We need an end, not a do-over. We need an end, not a do-over. Look what it says. Now the Lord appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. So this points to the death of Jesus and his burial, which also points to the death of Jonah and his burial. See? So Jonah needs to end. He needs to die. Listen, Jonah doesn't need to be reformed, okay? Jonah doesn't need to be improved, Because an improved Jonah is still Jonah. An improved you is still you. A reformed you is still you. You don't need reformation. You need to die. You need to end. (laughs) 
God does not need to tweak you, adjust you, reform you, improve you because you're still you. God doesn't even need to give you another more choices because you're still choosing as you. You need to die. The only solution to your jacked up self-righteousness is death with Jesus. You ever been to the hospital and the person is so jacked up and the, and the doctors come into the room and they tell you, he needs, they need to die. You been in that situation? There's no help. There's no fixing. Pull off all that stuff and let him die. Beloved, that's us. God is looking at Jonah and looking at us and saying, you can't be fixed. I can't fix you. I can't work with you. I got to kill you with Jesus. That's the only solution to our problems. So when we look at our self-righteous, proud, loveless, no merciful, no compassion hearts, we need to realize that the solution is to die. End. You have to end. You are the problem. There's no solution. There's no fixing. You got to die with Jesus. You know a lot of times the picture of salvation, have you heard this picture before people say, oh, Jesus is like a lifeguard and you're drowning and Jesus has to come and pull you out and save you? That's not salvation because if you're drowning and Jesus pulls you out, guess what? That's still you. Jonah doesn't get taken out of the water. He takes, gets taken into the water to die. So here's a better picture of salvation. Jesus is a lifeguard. He goes out to where you are, and he drowns you with him, and you die together, and he brings you back up, resuscitated and re- resurrected. You don't need to be saved from you. You need to die entirely from you. Look, there's this passage I love in Colossians that pictures this. So there was a Miami kind of teachers in Colossae, okay? Look what they were saying. Well, this is what Paul says. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. So all these people were trying to improve the church and, and, and reform the church. And look what Paul says needs to happen, and what did happen, it needs to be the hope for change. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through faith in the working of the God who raised him from the dead. So the key to sin and newness is not principles for betterment, but death. The end of you entirely with Christ. Y'all don't need help. Y'all need to die with Jesus. That's what we see from this. But here's the problem. We die as good people. So when we die, we're like the hero in the story that dies. But here's the thing. We don't die as good people. We die as bad people, which brings me to our third point. We need a morning, not makeover view of our sin. Ladies, you understand what I'm saying? When you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to do my daily makeover. Like that's where you're really at. And the problem with us is that we have this makeover view of sin. We, 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 we cover it. We, we kind of, uh, you know, 
think low of it or think, you know, not too much of it. We need to have a real, raw, clear view of our sin. Look what I see here about sin. First of all, when you see how deep sin is. Look, there's two words here that are very important for you to pick up on. The first one is swallow. The second one is vomit. Now, I'm going to show you where you see these words in Scripture. Look, every, every, every book in Scripture is echoing something else. So listen. Leviticus 18.28. If you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it is vomit out the nations before you. Leviticus 26. You will perish among the nations and the enemies will devour or swallow you. So when Jonah is being swallowed and vomited, he's being taken back to when Israel was given the law of God in the promised land. And God said, listen, y'all can stay here. Y'all can be with me if you keep the rules. But if you don't, the land will devour you and spit you out. So what's going on here? See, Jonah thinks that he's better than those Ninevites because of how much law he keeps. So he thinks that the law of God makes him a good guy that can hate those sinners. And God swallowing and vomiting him out is saying, yo, do you know what happened to the Jews when they were given the law? God swallowed them and vomited them from the land for their lawlessness. The law that you think makes you better than them actually curses you just as much as them. Jonah, if I were to deal with you by my law, I would have to swam it, swallow you, and vomit you like is going on right here. So it's almost like my kids, they're not old enough for this yet. But I know, I know if other parents have done this when their kids are older. Their teenage kids are acting up. And what oftentimes when they get arrested, what they'll do to them is they'll, when they get arrested, they'll let them go to jail for a weekend or a week. That's what's going on here. Jonah's like, okay, you think you're good? You think you're righteous? I will, de- I will deal with you according to my righteous standards. And if I were to deal with you by my law, not your laws, you know what? We have these cute little laws, right, that make us feel good. We think we're righteous people because we don't punch our, we, we don't punch our, our we, we think we're good husbands because we don't beat our wives. Or we think we're good wives because we don't like, you know, slap our husbands and, and cheat on them. Or, or we think we're good parents because, you know, we feed our kids and we don't like, you know, leave them on the streets. We think we're good Christians because, you know, we don't act like those. But, but, when, but the reality is, is that God's law, when God puts you under his law, you, no matter who you are, are condemned guilty and you should be swallowed by God's wrath and vomited out. You are not good. And so Jonah is being given a dose of the fact that he's not better than Nineveh. When God's law hangs over Nineveh and Jonah, you just as abominable. That's just what's going on with there. But here's the second thing I see about having a right view of sin. is see how high sin is. You threw me into the heights, and your breakers and your billows swept over me. So listen, God's, all these waters are God's wrath and anger over Jonah. 
So Jonah's, look, here's Jonah's problem. Those Ninevites offend me. Those sinners, they offend me. And that's you too, right? That person, they offend me. They bother me. And God's like, Jonah, you offend me. You're offended by that sinner? You're disgusted by that sinner? All right, let's put you under the holiness of God. God is offended by you more than you're offended by those people. And here's the thing, like, you know how ladies, ladies, uh, when they do something in the house and a husband, there's something very important in the house and, and a husband just disregards it, why do ladies get mad? Because we're just like, what's the problem? It's just, it's just not opening the door. It's just not picking up. It's just not this. It's just, it's just a principle. No, they said, no, this principle's connected to me. Okay? So this value that I put in this house, when you break it, it's connected to me. Listen, when you break God's law, the biggest problem is not that you're breaking laws. It's not that you're failing standards. It's you're offending God himself because he gave the law from his own character. So listen, all of us here have a tendency to be proud and offended by some kind of Ninevite. And God's like, listen, you, in your sin, if I were to look at you according to my law, you offend me and you repulse me. So think twice about being repulsed by them. Jonah's sin is really, really high. And beloved, do you know how God saved you? He didn't save you by making you lovable. He saved you by Jesus, enduring all your hatred and vileness and being punished for it. He didn't make you cute and cuddly and lovable and likable. He put the offense on Jesus. So sin is really deep. It's really high. And it's really wide. Its scope is my third sub-point. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison spars closed behind me forever. So think about how Jonah's being describing his sin. This is helpless. Forever, prison bars wrapped around me. So, so Jonah's sin problem, guys, it's, sin is not man. It's, it's, my, my sin problems are really difficult. I'm up to my neck in sin. It's really challenging. Guys, your sin is impossible for you to do anything about. So when you think about what does it mean to be a sinner, think about Jonah at the bottom of the ocean wrapped in seaweed in a, in a, in a stomach of some weird fish. Think about Don't think about sin as being crippled. Don't think about sin as having a broken arm or having a limp. Think about sin like having concrete shoes like the mafia would do and concrete bracelets and a concrete necklace and being thrown to the ocean, stuck there. That's you. And here's our problem. You know why we hate other sinners? You know why we can't stand them? Because we think... That the reason we're different is because we decided to not be that person. And so we, we can hate that person. We, we can write them off. Because after all, I am the one who unwrapped myself from the ocean of sin and swam up, right? No. No. Everybody in here has 
been rescued by utter impossibility that was only made possible by God. You could do nothing to change your sin. Listen, you could do nothing to make yourself better for one sin ever apart from God's grace. Listen, sin is not you were in the ocean and God threw a rope and you pulled yourself out. God threw the ocean, God throws a rope, and you got no arms to grab it because you're so stubborn. You're like, forget you, God. So God has to wrap you up and pull you out. Sin is not God calling you to the operating table and saying, walk to the lobby and jump on. No, sin is you on the floor unable to move, and God scoops you up and puts you on the table as you resist him and kick and scream. So, Jonah and we need to realize that our salvation and our sin was impossible, and it was met by God's grace. You are really screwed up more than you realize that you are. So, therefore, your view of your little Ninevites or Ninevites is wrong. It's wrong. But, but, but okay. But, all right, so, so we got to die because we, we stink so bad. We have to die. We can't be improved. We're going to die as bad people, not noble people. But where does that take us to? It takes us to the next thing. We need resurrection, not regulations. We need resurrection, not regulations. And by the way, resurrection from the bottom, not from the middle. Look, I sank to the foundations of the mountains, but you raised my life from the pits, my Lord, God. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on dry land. So, the, so Jonah being spit from the bottom up to the top, it pictures the resurrection of Christ. And it also pictures the need for us to be resurrected. We must be raised with Jesus in order for our self-righteous, hateful, bitter, angry, proud hearts to be dealt with. We must be raised. And listen, check it out. Jonah didn't swim up, okay? Jonah wasn't progressively moving his way up, and then God's like, you know what? As you move your way up progressively, you know, then I'll kind of like take you the rest of the way. From the very bottom of his sins to the very top of dry land, it was entirely God's actions. Listen, let me, let me give you a picture. And this is what Jonah thought. Jonah thought the Israelite was someone that was like this. I came into this company from the bottom, you know, I was a janitor, I was a secretary, and, and then I went to this, I went to that. And then I worked my way up to CEO. That's what the Jews thought they were, right? And that's us too. Well, the reason why I'm here and the reason why I'm not like those people is because I've worked my way up very hard. You know, it's a Cuban story, right? Vine aquí con nada y trabajé duro y mira lo que tengo ahora. And that was the Israelite story. And so, they, man, they was really proud but this is what actually happened. What actually happened is that Israel was a prostitute covered in their own blood, Ezekiel 16. And God takes them out from the bottom and gives them the highest position because he's, they're connected to a heavenly father. So you know that person 
that comes in and has no resume or credentials, and they get the highest position just because they know somebody, that's us before God. We don't need to progressively improve to become the Christians we should be. We must be raised with Jesus. Were he becoming the righteous, exalted, perfect man in the resurrection and God saying, this is the righteous, triumphant man who is my beloved, who is perfect and triumphant, stamping over sin, death, and hell, and bringing the new creation. This man being raised is my man, and this is where you got to identify yourself in his resurrection, not your elevation by your rules and self-improvements. This is Christianity, beloved. And this is what we see here. Beloved, the Christian, Christianity is not elevating yourself by law. It's the power of resurrection with Jesus. It is being raised with Jesus from rock bottom. And after you identify with being raised with Christ, you then live from that position. But here's another thing I see about resurrection. So one, one element of when you resurrection, not regulations, is we go from the bottom to the top with Jesus. Don't work our way up. But second, we, we change by the power of life, not law. We change by the power of new life, not law. So listen, Jonah had the law, right? What did God tell him? Go, go to Nineveh, and go to those so-called Bad people. And what happens when Jonah gets the law? What, what happens when Jonah gets the law? He like, hell no. I ain't doing that. See, Jonah could keep the law when he's in these safe spaces. So some of y'all, if God tells you to love me, you're like, yeah, I can love Aldo. I don't gotta see him every day. But God tells you, love your spouse. Oh, okay. So Jonah gets the law in a place that really touches his issue, and it doesn't work. Have you ever tried this in the house? Have you tried giving your kids the law? Does that, what happens? They want to break the law more when you give them the law, right? It's like, I wasn't even thinking about that line, but now that you mentioned not crossing it, woo, you know, like that's what it is. Listen. The law of God will not help you with your proud, angry, bitter heart that hates people and doesn't want good for them. It will not change that. Here's a picture that may be helpful. Have any of y'all driven a Humpty? Are you driving a Humpty? Does everybody here know what Humpties are? Un carro que no sirve. It's a piece of junk. Okay. You know what that thing? It has an odometer that goes to 140, and it has pedals, but it don't matter. It ain't going there because the life inside that thing has no guts. That's the law. This is where you're going. These are the tools, but our inner reality has no power. So the solution to that is to get a car that has internal power to meet those standards. That's how God changes us. 
He, by the power of the gospel, by being raised with Christ, having a new status, a new name, a new swagger, a new heart, from the inside out, we begin to change by the power of gospel life, not another list of you should be this way. Jonah needs more than law, clearly. He needs power of resurrection to go deep in his soul and drive him from the inside out. Beloved, Christianity is not self-empowerment. It's the power of Jesus' resurrection life being dumped out in your soul day after day as you trust him. And the reason why some of you guys' lives are more jacked up than they need to be is because you keep trying to fix you and others around you by outside law. You keep looking at the odometers, but that doesn't change. Only the power of God's grace changes. So we need resurrection to deal with this problem that we all have to be spiteful and hateful and small and racial and all kinds of that. Where's your last point? We need more, we need one, not two-wayness. We need one, not two-wayness. Look, it says in verse nine, listen, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from who? Salvation is from the Lord. That, 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 that is a five-pointer kind of statement. Salvation is entirely of God. It has zero zip nilch to do with man. Salvation is God's thing, and it's not my thing. That's what Jonah is saying. Salvation is of the Lord. And that's what gets him on dry land. Don't just see what Jonah says, but notice how he gets on dry land by confessing that God is unconditionally gracious. Boom, you're you're on dry land now. You have been restored to your sanity. So listen, Jonah is becoming different because he realized, I'm not saved because I'm a Jew. I'm not saved because I'm a law keeper. I'm not saved because I'm a prophet. Salvation is a thousand percent God, zero percent us. And here's our problem. We don't say this, but we act like this. You think you're right with God because you're better than that person in your house. You think you're right with God because when you look around the Miami people, you think you're not like them. You think you're right with God because you Come to church, and you volunteer. And you're not, you're not like those people who don't show up most of the time. You think you're right with God because you are a so-called great parent, and you're not like the people that parented you. You think you're a good person because you voted for Hillary, or you think you're a good person because you voted for Trump. Or some of you think you're a good person because you, don't, you, you cover up as a lady and you're not like those ladies who expose. But guess what? You're not saved because of any of that stuff. You are saved by a one-way God who met you in the midst of your broken standards unconditionally in Jesus Christ. You are not saved by any conditions you have met. You are saved by a one-way God. And when you get that in your soul, it changes life. 
And you stop giving all these stupid reasons for why you can't be the person God calls you to be to whatever your Nineveh is or your Nineveh is. Salvation is of God. Not me. Not my Latinoness. Not my color. Not my country. Not the way I raise my kids. But all God. Listen. When we think about God... You know those one-way roads in Miami? What happens if you, get out, if you try to make that a two-way road? Boom, right? Listen, y'all. God is relating to you on a one-way road. And y'all getting and trying to make it a two-way road is creating all sorts of drama and catastrophes because God's road is a one-way road. It's going towards you. You're not going back towards God. And that's how he relates to us. And that affects the way we relate on the ground to others. This, 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 this chapter is so dope. Um, that's my way of saying it's good. Um, that I had to preach two messages on it. So we'll do it again this time. But let me do some application before we end. Listen, beloved. If, if the solution to our self-righteousness and our propensity to avoid those people and not like those people is going back to our beginnings then some of y'all got to get out of college and you got to go back to elementary when it comes to Christianity. Get out of college and go back to elementary. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's elementary? I'm not okay. I'm not right. Jesus is perfect. Perfect for me. Died for me in my jacked upness. Raised for me. That's elementary and that's where you should stay. Some of y'all are graduating that. Talking about all of these other things. And what we see here is that we got to go back to the basics. Every day of your life, you got to see yourself as that person who was rescued by God's grace over and over and over again. Don't, 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 don't stop being that person. Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, how did you receive him? Like a jacked up sinner who needed unconditional grace found entirely in Christ's obedience and his death. Therefore, as you receive Christ... So walk in him. We got to go back to elementary. Second thing, if the solution is death with Christ, then we got to be staging more funerals. And we got to have less diet and exercise regimen, spiritually speaking. Listen, you don't need spiritual diets. You don't need spiritual exercise routines. You need to die to you every single day of your life. Christianity is staging a funeral. You know what? Because you, you, you trying to fix you, you trying to change you, the problem is you. You know why you're proud? Because you're a proud person. Do you know why you're self-righteous and lack mercy? Because you're a merciless, proud person. What are we going to do to fix that? I gotta stage my own funeral every day and say, that person died with Jesus. I am not that person who lives by my own name, by my own reputation, for my own glory, for my own merits. That person died with Christ, and today I am staging a funeral. As opposed to doing another diet regimen. We need to be staging more funerals. Third, thirdly, if we need resurrection, not regulations, then we should stop trying to elevate ourselves, raise ourselves spiritually, 
Let me give you a picture. Listen, there's a text in Ephesians 2. It says, he raised us up and seated us with Christ. Let me ask you a question. When did that happen? When you believed. So you right now are in the highest place that you could ever be in already. You hear what I'm saying? Every person right here now is never going to go any higher than they are because you've been raised and seated with Christ. So guess what? That means Christianity is starting at the mountaintop and working your way down from the mountaintop. You are perfect. You are free. You are new. You are eternally breathing God's eternal air. You are raised righteous and beloved and treasured. You are adopted. You are on that mountaintop and now you walk down. But here's the problem. We think Christianity is not a mountaintop down. It's a walk up the mountain. Oh, because look at me. Look at me. My, my 401, 2K, whatever, run. I'm going up the mountain. And you know what? That makes you hate people. Because y'all competing to get up. And you're like, you know what? Like, I'm a little further than that guy. And so I got to you know, get out of my way. But if we are living from the top of the mountain of the resurrection, where we have everything already in Jesus, we're walking down, and we don't have that prideful self-righteousness that comes from walking up. Make sense? We, Christianity, is, Christianity is looking at reality from that Christ mountaintop and living from that. If we need the power of life, not law, beloved, then we should be people who are living from the life that Jesus gives us. Let me give you an example of this. Some people, I, I, I think it's helpful to talk about, some people, y- y'all think you're going to be healthy by exercising a lot. And so you have all these rules and regulations for exercise. You know, some of you, you know, you go to, you go to a place where they make the rules for you, like, you know, like the, the, all those CrossFit gyms. And you're trying to become healthy by doing all of these physical regulations and keeping them. But listen, if you're not sitting on your butt and eating well regularly, meaning just taking something in that gives you life, if you're not sleeping, like meaning like if you're not doing nothing for about seven hours a day, all that stuff is not going to do nothing for you. So what, what am I saying is, listen, some of you are so obsessed with having a better kid, a better marriage, being a better you, doing this better and you have all of these exercise activities and routines and goals, and you're not sitting down just eating things that give you life that is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, it's talking about the language of faith and reception. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can, if you are not receiving Jesus as the primary goal of the Christian life, 90% receiving, 10% achieving, you are off. We need to feed on the things that energize us and give us life. As opposed to thinking that the solution is some other, some other activity, some other routine or whatnot. It's the last thing I'll say. If we need one, not two-wayness, then we should see this whole world from the unconditionality of God down to us and not the horizontal, on-the-ground conditionality of what we see. Listen, let me give you a picture that may be helpful. How do kids live 
day to day. They get up in the morning and they depend on the one-way approval and affection of a parent. That's what your kids do. They, they, their day really comes, starts and goes with how you love them, not because of them. That's what, that, that's what, that's what kids look for most, whether they acknowledge it or not. How do adults get up? Let me pick on ladies. You get up and you get on a scale, right? You get up and what drives your world is some kind of conditionality. It's a scale. And then you don't get off that scale for the rest of the day because you got scales for weight. You got scales for marriage. You got scales for achievement. You got scales for house, job, whatever. You got all these scales. And that's not how we live Christianity. Christianity is throwing away the scales of conditionality that we meet and produce and get to to feel good. And we live Every day, every moment from God's one-way folly affection that has nothing to do with any scale in your life. That's the world you live in. And here's the problem, beloved. You think that's important to go to heaven, but you don't think that's important to live in your day-to-day moments. Like, yeah, I get it. God's unconditional in me getting there, but I don't need to live in the world of unconditionality on the ground all the time. But it's a one-way road with God, and it's a one-way filter for all reality. So what do we got to do? Go back to the beginnings. Got to die. Die in the reality of our evil sinfulness, not in some kind of like pretending we're not that bad. Raise with Jesus and live in this one-way world where God is just all about relating to people because of him and not them. Let me pray and move us to the table. Father... I I really ask you to be merciful in this room so that we can see this story that is historic and true, that is connected to Jesus' story as something that is utterly necessary, utterly important for us to lay hold of right now, God. I pray there be more people in this room who are living their lives with the reality that they need to regularly, regularly see their need for Jesus, die with Jesus, be raised with Jesus, and live their life immobilized and encouraged by an unconditional God who changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website reconcilechurchmiami.org.